Well, I want to say tonight, I'm very honored that Caleb asked me to come and speak, and um, he's a trip, man. He is a trip, and Kirsten, she's a trip too. Um, a little bit of background is that um, I'm friends with uh, Drs. Rodney Howard Brown and Adonica, and um, they are one of the main reasons, if not almost the major reason, that my wife and I traveled in revival all over the world. We got caught on fire back in 2003, and then like the kerosene of the spirit like lit us ridiculously on fire in 2006. And then in 2008, you may have heard, you may have not, I was used in the Lakeland Revival, which touched 350,000 people in four months came to Lakeland. And there was close to five and a half, six million people that watched by World Wide Web and by God TV. And atheists came and gave their lives to Christ and people got healed dramatically. One night we saw 17 wheelchairs, no matter what people say. Uh, I was there, I was front hand experience and saw it. I watched 17 people in an arena that were in wheelchairs that could not walk, get up physically out of their chair, and they started popping their bones forward and started walking forward. You remember that night? And so I believe God wants to do all of that tonight. We don't just get a little bit, we get the whole thing. But you know what? Here's what the fire of God really does. It seasons you for your season that you're in right now. People want the fire, but they don't know what they're asking for. How many times you see people, I want your fire, God. It's like the Lord goes, are you sure? <laughs> oh, yes. But when the fire comes in your life, it's gonna burn you out. Somebody says, doesn't God have a plan for my life? He does, he's trying to kill you. He is, he's trying to kill that soulish part of you so that you reflect him. You know, gold, true gold fears no fire. True gold fears no fire. If you ever saw how a gold process happened hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and even today they do some of it still to this day, now they have like factory lines and stuff. When you take gold and you put it over fire, it has to be ridiculously hot. And the, the guy watching it, who's the goldsmith or the silversmith, whatever that precious metal is in there, he watches over that very closely. And the reason he watches over that is because while it's in the fire, all the impurities come up from the bottom, which you don't even see it, but it just all of a sudden appears, oh, that's inside the gold? We need to get rid of that. And there's this, uh, there's this lady had a Bible study and they wanted to find out what silver actually was like when you get into the fire. And uh, she asked the silversmith or the goldsmith, like, well, how do you know when it's done? And he goes, well, first of all, I have to keep my eyes on it. She's like, why? He goes, if I leave it in the fire too long, the impurities will amalgam with the gold and that's why you don't get 100% gold. That's why it's percentages, because nobody can truly get 100% gold most times. That's interesting that it's hard to get 100% gold. Isn't it interesting? But you know who does get 100% gold every time? Jesus. So now watch this. She says, well, then how do you know it's done? He goes, that's very simple. The moment I can see my reflection in it, I take it out of the fire. He's trying to make you like him. He's making you more like him every day. 
some of the pressure and pain that comes in your life, you should welcome it. It's actually forging out all the stuff that you've been trying to get rid of for decades. So when the Spirit of God breathes on something like a meeting like tonight, its purpose is to come in to forge you into what he sees. And he's not satisfied, the Father is not satisfied until he can completely see his Son and his reflection in your soul. It's not like a major revelation, it's actually in the Word. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, I believe it's 49, we can go there real quickly. How many brought your Bible say, oh yeah? I'm just flowing with the Holy Ghost. I don't have anything planned. I never do. Awesome job, worship team, by the way. I've been watching you every night. They sound amazing. They are anointed. Do you appreciate them? They're the Levites. They go out every single night. They push back all the enemies in people's lives. Look at, look at Mark chapter nine, verse 49. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. If you read on, it says salt is good. Everybody say salt is good. Why is it good? It brings flavor. How many have ever eaten a steak without salt? Maybe if you're on a keto diet and you're trying not to retain water or something which obviously I'm not on. I'm not fat though, I'm pregnant with the word, let me tell you. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, better believe it. <laughs> it says salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? How salt, have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. You know, the purpose God gives us everybody is because he's trying to shave off all the impurities in us. If he's the potter and we are the clay, why are we fighting the potter thinking that we know what we wanna do with our life when he has the perfect plan for us? I was, um, I was finding it very interesting. I've been observing many things these last few years. Um, my, my, both my children are now adults. And I'm like a young 43 and we're done raising our children basically. Now you never get done raising your children, but, but, but we have more money now. <laughs> kind of. You know, I don't know how old Satan was when he got kicked out of heaven, but my guess is 15, so. But anyways, because they know everything, right? <laughs> Sometimes I wanna call up NASA and tell them, you don't understand, my son knows everything. But, all right, I stole that joke from a guy named Jeff Allen. Anyway, so the point I'm making is I've been observing some things, and you know what's interesting? God is a consuming fire. It's not just his passion for us and his love for us, but he is a consuming fire which burns off anything that tries to come against one of his kids. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What does that mean? The rod is meant to beat the wolf off. It's not meant to beat you. And if your flesh becomes a wolf, then we'll apply the Board of Education to your seat of learning. Some of your parents did that. Some of your parents didn't, and we know. We can tell. 
which means you are number one volunteered for a checkup from the neck up. But the, the, the staff is meant to comfort you. The staff, it's interesting, it's got a hook on it and it's got shaved off on the inside, right? It's meant to put around the sheep to bring them back into the flock when he goes off and wanders. The psalmist says in Psalms chapter 91, under the shadow of the almighty, I shall abide. You know, a lot of Christians, Christians will run out of that shadow and not understand why things are so chaotic in their life. You have to stay under that place. I'm not even talking about being in church and being part of a flock. I'm talking about understanding your place with God. It's the same thing with the potter and the clay. Why are you fighting against God when he's trying to shape you? Yeah, I could go a million different places with this, but when you're in a place of pressure, understand something. This is real. This is not me trying to be a motivational speaker. This is me trying to tell you I'm a guy of experience. I've been some places, man. I've lived about four lifetimes in the last 20 years of my life. Amazing, the things I've gotten to do. And I thought I arrived, to be honest with you, at some point. When you're flying on first-class seat tickets over to Brazil to a stadium of 40,000 people in 2015, you got a nice house on a golf course, got money in your bank, and everybody's calling you to come and do ministry everywhere, and you're on TV and radio and doing all that stuff. I thought, man, this is everything I dreamed about as a kid, and it was. And I was spending time with the Lord, but the Lord was saying, no, no, no. You think it's in what you're doing is what makes me love you. If you stopped everything you were doing, it would never change the way I feel about you. And if it depended on all the work you did, then Jesus didn't have to die. So I've observed a few things, and one of them is, have you ever noticed that the son is actually preaching to every single person in the whole world, 7.5 billion people right now? The son, the actual physical son that's burning like a consuming fire, if anything gets in its way. And it's first in the natural and then in the spiritual, right? Isn't it odd that it's spelled S-U-N? And the one that we worship who's the king of kings is spelled S-O-N? And that everything in life in the natural draws power and energy and life from the sun? And in the spiritual, we draw all our energy and our life from the sun. Like even the sun is preaching. If you were to watch a time-lapse video on a GoPro or on some kind of you know, device or something that captures film, a DSLR or whatever, and you were to time-lapse trees looking at the sun, even the trees move as the sun moves on its circuit and it's like they're worshiping the sun. And photosynthesis has taken place and there's an exchange of energy and there's growth and seeds start to, because they're worshiping the sun. Well, first in the natural, same in the spirit. We draw everything from Jesus. There's nowhere else to draw from. He's got an everlasting well of life and he is a consuming fire that burns out anything that comes against what his will and purpose and plan is. I mean, even, even the sky, the sun and the moon, the stars and the trees are preaching the gospel. And Paul made it so clear when he said, look at the invisible attributes now seen in the attributes of everything around us in the natural. Somebody says, what scripture is that? It's in there. It's like ragu. It's in there. 
I just made that up. I've never, ever said that any place I've ever been. <laughs> Even creation is preaching the gospel. And when you realize that there is an overwhelming response from God, when we start to look around and look at things differently, you become in really in tune with what he's trying to purpose, what he's trying to perform in the earth. Now, he already did it through Jesus. I thought to myself, Lord, why did you leave us down here after the devil fell? And then it hit me. It's like the Lord said to me, because I want you to participate in tearing down all the enemy's works just as I did. I was reading this one scripture in Genesis chapter six. You remember after the flood? Like Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed the spirit in and made him a living, breathing, walking, talking soul. That's the amplified version with a little bit of Roy point one. <laughs> and four chapters later, everybody say four chapters. In Genesis chapter six, God goes, I'm sorry I ever created man. I'm grieved in my heart. I'm like four chapters later. Can we have a couple more chapters, Lord? Please? I promise you, we wouldn't. And he's like, I'm sorry that I ever made man. I remember reading that and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. Why am I reading this? Oh, thank God we're in the new covenant. We're in the new Testament, right? But it's still the same God that said that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he said that, because of my background and my history, I kind of caved in a little bit. I thought, Lord, you were sorry that you made me? Like I heard that growing up, people were sorry that I was ever born. You know what I'm saying? Like I, was, I, I had those things said to me. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying this to me. I never heard another preacher. I never heard it on radio. I never saw it on television. And this is what I love about having the voice of God speak to you. And he said this, Roy, I was never sorry that I created you. I was sorry that I created your flesh and put your spirit inside of that flesh. And that flesh every day has dictated to you to tell you that you think this is your identity. Which is why I put my spirit into the flesh of man, overcame the man, then I overcame the world, so now you can overcome the man and you can overcome the world and come home to be with your heavenly father for all eternity. And I just was like, oh my God, I just hit the floor in 30 minutes, I'm out bawling like a baby. And you know, that's a real relationship with God because I ask people, you know, When's the last time you've been on your living room floor and you've wept uncontrollably? Not because you're in debt, not because you need something, not because, oh, what do I do now? But because you're so blown away by how amazing God really is in your life that you cannot even speak. And you welcome the seasoning that he brings to you. You welcome the fire in your life. You know, fire's not easy to go through, but it's so needed. If you don't cook the steak, it's just gonna be raw. Some of you are like, I like medium rare. Well, I like medium well, because I usually get medium alive. When I order my steak and I say medium rare, I now have to say medium, well, just medium. 
because they give it to me and I put my fork in it and it goes, and I'm like, what the heck? Can you put this back on the grill, please? There's some impurities going on here. So, so my point is, is that you should welcome the fire in your life because it's for your good. You say, Roy, I don't want any more fire. Well, look at the sun, okay? Again, first, everybody say first in the natural, then in the spiritual. What Jesus came to do in the natural became our inheritance in the spiritual and we can claim that now and bring that into our realm right now on earth as it already is in heaven. When's the last time you study the scripture that says we are seated in heavenly places? Can I, can I, I'm gonna go off the, the deep end here a little bit, okay? Anybody ever seen the movie Avatar? You watched that movie? I saw it for research purposes. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. It's a joke. Um, you know, in this movie Avatar, this military guy gets into this like half coffin and his legs don't work. And they put this thing on his brain and he wakes up as this tall, gigantic blue creature with a tail that plugs into stuff, which is really weird. <laughs> like amalgams with animals and all of a sudden the horse is like. <laughs> I'm like, I don't wanna amalgam with any animal. That's where I draw the line on Avatar, okay? But what's interesting to me is that when this man who's crippled gets into this coffin, puts on this thing on his brain, he becomes somebody different on a different planet even. And I was watching that, and you understand, my, I am such an observant person, mainly because I was an only child. Um, I am such an observant person that I just like, my, all my little spider tingles go off, and I'm... <laughs> I get like spider, and I'm just, all of a sudden I'm seeing God and everything. And I'm like, we are seated in heavenly places right now. God created us in his image and likeness and we're here right now on this earth in the natural. We've only got about 80 to 100 years. If I believe Jesus died on the cross, he puts his spirit inside of me and he amalgams his spirit with mine. Anyone who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Anything I ask in his name will be given unto me. If I gather together with two or three, he's right there in the midst of us. I'm seated in heavenly places. I was like, oh my gosh, are we living out avatar on earth? Because according to the scripture and what Jesus said, we are seated in heavenly places right now, which means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not just saying that, I believe that. And this generation right now, they wanna hear and see and have an encounter with God. And you know what? Sometimes they're so caught up in their stuff. You can't know God by the clever revelations. You can't know God by just the analog stuff. You can't know God by just stuff. You have to know him by the spirit. And that's what separates us, the men from the boys, the, the ladies from the girls, is that his presence that is with us is what the difference is. When you walk in the room, you can carry his presence that will change the virtual atmosphere all the way around you. Like I walked in one day to AT&T to get this phone actually. And it's a great phone, it's the uh, iPhone for iMe for, I, I lost the joke. But anyway, um, I went into the AT&T 
And here's these two young guys, I'm sorry, one young guy, one young girl, probably in their early 20s, probably 21 actually, 22. And I walked in and because I know who I carry and I don't, I don't, I don't have room for argument or debate, I just know I've seen too much. I've experienced God at such a higher, high level that I don't have time to argue with anybody. I just, I just know who I carry. And it's almost like, you could call it domination. I walk in the room and Jesus walks in front of me and takes over everything. And I'll control the conversation. And, and I, I'm, I'm thoughtful of people. I'm, I'm sensitive too. <laughs> but you know, I just said out of my mouth, I says, do you believe in God? And they go, I mean, that's, that's a pretty blunt question to start your conversation with your AT&T representative. Well, nice to meet you. Uh, what's your name? I said, no, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in God? And the one guy goes, yeah, 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 kind of. And I said this, I said, prove it. Prove he exists to me right now. And he looked at me and he, he couldn't. And most of you couldn't either. The Lord gave me something for this generation. I'm gonna give it with you. Would you like to know how to talk to people and lead them to Jesus? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not just showing you like something that happened. This is something that's it's taken three years to get to this place with God. And I see it in the scriptures and I go, oh my gosh, I can walk into any place and take over. I can take over any atmosphere. Fearless. Confidence. Not in myself, but in the one who walks with me. The one who lives in me. I can do all things through Christ. So he goes, I, I can't. And I said, okay. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Prove to me there's a Wi-Fi signal in this room right now. And he about to reach for something. I said, oh, you're trying to get a device, aren't you? I said, no, that's not what I asked you. I said, prove to me that Wi-Fi exists right now. There is a frequency stream that is right now in this room. Now I had him, he's listening to me. And he's like, I can't prove that there's a Wi-Fi signal, but if I get a device, I can prove to you. I said, I don't believe your device. What if you created that device in some factory line, put a little nine volt battery to make the thing blink and show me some kind of information that says this is a Wi-Fi signal. How do I know you didn't make that up? We live in the world of fake news. So like, I'm like, dude, seriously, how can you, how can you prove to me <laughs> How can, you, how can you prove to me, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to experience too much joy. Just relax. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are gonna need this by the end of the night. Where is that device? So I said, you need a device to prove to me that the Wi-Fi signal exists. I says, what if I get my device, the Bible? But I, did, I didn't go with that. You know what I said? I said, you know, right now in this room with all of your phones and all your chargers that are like 39 bucks for a five foot charger um, are right here, highway robbery. Oh, you're gonna charge me a service fee for actually taking my money? Okay, that's cool. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. Could you just mug me? I would feel better about it. <laughs> Could you just steal my wallet and rip the money out? And I would feel like something actually happened exciting today. You do it so nicely, you know. 
Oh, sorry, it's a service fee and there's a connection fee and there's something. Okay, okay, that's fine. So I said to the, so now I've got both of them listening to me and the girl's standing there too. She's like 21, maybe she's like 19. I don't know, she's young. And this guy, and they're listening. Nobody else is in the room either. The office is clean except me. I came in to get a little charger for my iPhone. That's all I wanted. But when I walked in, it was like the Lord said, I rule this whole place. I was like, yes, you do. I'll do whatever you want me to. So I went over to the AT&T guy and I said, the master have, you, have need of the iPhone 11 Pro Max. No. So, so I said to both, now I got them both listening, and I said, right now in this room, there are radio signals going through here, but you cannot hear the broadcast, but you can't see it. That doesn't make that it's not real. Right now, there's movies going through here and television signals and satellite signals, but you have to have something to tune in. And I says, so you can't prove that God exists. I says, but I can. I said, first of all, he's done a work in my life, but here's, I want you to think about something. And here's the deal. The millennials and a lot of young people are on this level. You have to reach them with their language. If, you, if I walked in there, you need to be washed in the blood of the lamb. And that person has never been in a church service. Their first thought is gonna be cult. So what did your ancestors do before you became a Christian? We used to slice animals' necks right open and blood. Yeah, I'm out. Security, um, iPhone guy, yeah. Mug him. Um, See, some of you are going, he's just telling jokes. Get to revival, man. You have no idea what I'm trying to do right now. You don't have a clue. I don't know, Martha. He just, when's he gonna get to the word? I just quoted like 15 scriptures. Holy smokes. So you cannot see the television signal in this room right now. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I said, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, now I'm quoting scripture to a guy and a young man, a young girl who has no clue what's going on. They probably don't go to church. I found out they really didn't. They felt like they should someday, but. And I said, 1 Corinthians 13 says that God is love. I says, can you please prove to me that love is real? without playing a John Lennon song. <laughs> and they're like, they, they can't prove that either. And I said, what if God is spirit and we are flesh, but he made us brand new on the inside. When he sent Jesus, his son, he gave us a brand new spirit. And so we become different on the inside. I says, what if I told you that God is love and you're the device? It was like you could see it plainly on both, and some of you just went, boom, 
like this. It was plain to see on both their faces. They went boom, boom, and I had them. Whatever I, I could say, kumbaya. They probably would have worshiped right there, the Lord. <laughs> they were in, and it opened a doorway, and I led them to Jesus. So easy, so easy. Well, I don't watch movies. I avoid that kind of stuff because the Lord has shown me these things and I just know what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you know how to turn a computer on? Um, everybody say fire. fire. I need to be seasoned with fire. How many have been through some difficult stuff this last couple weeks right now? Let me see your hands. The Lord told me this when I was in Orange County Jail about two months ago, preaching to 50 inmates in some of the worst conditions, like it's a bad deal there. Some of the worst inmates. Here's what I heard. Never again, Roy, pray that I remove the pressure of life off of you. Learn from my son, Jesus, how to go through it. It's going through the fire that gets your heart soft again. Remember the sun is always burning like a consuming fire. We're looking in the natural is almost what God is like in the spiritual. It makes total sense how the sun rules the day. Genesis chapter one, verse 16. It rules the day. It governs, it's sovereign, it just runs the whole day. People go to sleep at night, some people don't, but the norm of people, the majority of people go to sleep at night, but they wake up for the sun, and when it's cloudy out, we don't like it, we see a storm, we wish it would be sunny out. But if it doesn't storm, the rain won't come, and it won't grow all your crops to grow, and it won't wash your car for free. All the millennials say amen. Okay, so when you think about it, if that's a consuming fire, let's take two pieces of something. Let's take a hardened piece of wax called a candle, and let's take a soft piece of clay, and it's wet and you can move it around, and let's set it down on asphalt, and just let the sun be the sun, and let the wax be the wax and the clay be the clay. What's gonna happen without anybody touching it? The wax candle is going to melt into a beautiful, smooth, kind of, it kind of feels nice if it doesn't burn you, into a nice, smooth wax. And it's really nice to feel. If you ever felt wax on your hands when they dip your hand and they do that little hand thing and paint it and all that? Somebody like, what city do you live in? No, 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 but what happens to the clay? Same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. This is part of an Amy Grant song. <laughs> the same rain that drowns the rat grows the hay. And the same wind that knocks you down, if you'll just lean into it, it'll drive all your fears away. All you deep thinkers go, amen. He set this place up to take care of us. And we are here on a mandate and a mission 
not just to receive what God's doing in us here this entire week, but to take what you're receiving. The reason he's changing you is never for you. It's for somebody else. He's the greatest orchestrator. It's like he's, it's like he's, at, the, he's at the pulpit of life and he's going, are we ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Here we go. We're gonna cut this out of their life. We're gonna bless them with this stuff. We're gonna put this person in their life. And when they come across this, I'm gonna send an angel over here. And, it's gonna go over here, and we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. And by finally, I'll have all my kids. He's the orchestrator. He knows what's going on. And he's always working everything out to the good to those who love him. He's our heavenly father. We're his kids. And I'll tell you what, he will beat the H-E double hockey sticks out of any wolf that tries to come and pick off one of his kids. If you could see in the realm of the spirit of what's going around around the world right now, there is this massive, ridiculous fight now, I'm not gonna make this political, but ever since Trump got in, in 2015, I was totally warned in my spirit before Trump ever even came down those escalators. Before he ever came down, you know, I'm gonna run for president of the United States. Okay? I, I'm like, who's this? I'm like, what? He's a pretty interesting guy, okay? now. There's a lot of people, I got friends like Lance Walno and stuff like that that says Isaiah 45, Cyrus, and he's gonna use him because he doesn't know him and everything, and that's truly what he's done. America went, <laughs> boom! <laughs> oh no, what do we do? <laughs> okay, here's what's happening. It's as if God, right here in 2015, because this is when this all stopped. It's pretty interesting. That's the, isn't that the year that's on the DeLorean and Back to the Future Part Two? And doesn't Biff kind of look like Donald Trump? Okay, let's not go there. All right, so, so anyways. I have to go here. I have to go here if I can get out of here. Is this gonna work? It is gonna work. Oh, you're about to find out, little lady. I'm a married man. I don't even like you in my pocket. Um, by the way, my wife is here tonight, Melanie. You stand up. Behind every happy wife is a very surprised mother-in-law. For the first time ever, okay? Listen, for the first time ever, mankind has a device in his hand that leads him to whatever knowledge he wants to find. What if I told you, and I could probably get in trouble for this, but I'm not trying to be anything except I'm being led by this, because this is the vein I'm in right now. We read in Genesis chapter two, when God creates man, he puts him into a garden. And then he gives a command and he says, in this garden, you can eat from any tree, but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of? Because in the day that you eat it, you shall surely. Now, is he saying that he's gonna die that moment that they eat that physical apple like Cinderella, Snow White, eat it, you become wise? Or is he saying that the day that you eat of that, 
And the day that you believe the lie that Satan's about to tell you and it changes our relationship spiritually, you will die. That's what he was saying. The day that you eat of this fruit, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Now we understand it's not necessarily a physical garden even though they are in a physical garden. So what if I told you right now, you think that's a story from Genesis chapter two, but what if I told you you're actually in the garden right now? What if I, it's just a, you know, it's just a thought. I want you to think, is this gonna drive you somewhere tonight? To consider the choices that you're making. Jesus said, I present to you two choices, life or death. I would say that you choose life. Like, it's like he did all the work and then he's like, I'm even telling you, choose life. <laughs> what should I choose? Hmm. Jesus is like. You know, it's just not bearing with my spirit. Oh my gosh. Wow. Let me get the neon flags out or something to get your attention. He says, I would say choose life. Okay, watch this. I don't even know if you ever even thought about this, okay? For the first time ever, we are living in a time when mankind is actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. And I'm not a doom and gloom. We're in the grace and mercy days, okay? Jesus is on the throne and he's saying, all of you, come, come. I'll take you as you are, but I'm not gonna leave you in that condition. How many are glad he's not leaving you in the condition? You know, I got a friend of mine named Andrew Womack. Oh, you're just name dropping. No, I'm dropping names. But he said, one of the things he said, he says, you know, I have not arrived, but I've definitely left. I've left my old life. I died a long time ago. My life is not my own. It belongs to him. I'll do whatever he wants. How many of you are saying, Lord, use me wherever you want me to? Okay. So here's the deal. What if I told you you're still in the garden? And for the first time ever, mankind has a device that for the first time ever, you have the knowledge that kings and queens only had just 50 years ago. And you can search this device and find whatever knowledge, good or evil, in the palm of your hand, filling up your head every day. And you're just mesmerized by the knowledge. And Satan's laughing at us because one company decided to actually put a piece of fruit with a bite out of it. Hey, Roy, you killed my whole revival spirit here tonight. I, I was laughing on the floor two nights ago, and now you're coming with this deep stuff. Can we please go into a song or something? Hey, guys, more people are turning to their phones instead of to God. No, 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 they're coming in by the droves. They are coming in by the droves to Christ, but we've got to get them off the phone and get into the spirit. This phone's not coming with you, but they've made this their God. I'm sick, I know what to do. Western Journal of Medicine. I know what to do. Yeah, you know how to not trust God. But our healthcare is another reason why you don't have to trust God to believe that you can actually walk and have all your life be quickened in your mortal body. As Jesus said, when I come into your mortal body, I will quicken you on the inside out. The reason people are dying on the outside is because they're dying on the inside. 
Jesus didn't die for us to exist. He died to give us life and life more abundantly. So the fire that comes in your life, it's meant to grow you. It's meant to make you learn. It's meant to say, God goes, hey, listen. Like for instance, Jesus comes to these disciples. Like watch how he blows these guys' mind. He's like, okay, James, Peter, John, you're fishermen. You've been disqualified for ministry because every Jewish boy has to pretty much know five books of the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they were all disqualified. All Jewish boys were disqualified from ministry from their rabbis because they would never have the qualifications to use the ministry as a means of support financially. So they would all disqualify these boys who spent tireless years and hours, weeks, months, and days learning the five books of the Torah. But a rabbi shows up. Somebody says, how do you know Jesus is a rabbi? Well, my first clue was they called him rabbi. I don't know if you caught that. That was my first clue. My second clue was he opened the sacred scrolls of Isaiah on a pulpit with a synagogue and he began to preach. Like Tom, Dick, and Harry can't go, hey, I got an idea. Let's read something. So he had to have some kind of authority. Well, this rabbi, Jesus, shows up to these three fishermen who are disqualified for ministry and says, I accept you. I qualify you. Of course they ran to him. He accepted them and recognized them and gave them something to hope for. I accept you. My burdens are light. My yoke is easy. If you're heavy burdened and laden down, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Those Jewish boys, John, Peter, and James, was an easy, it was like, absolutely I'm coming because I've been sitting here fishing all my life as a kid and thinking this is all I'm ever gonna be my whole life. I guess this is my lot in life. And Jesus goes, no, I qualify the unqualified. Come with me. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. You're gonna rock the world and everybody's gonna be astounded because they're gonna look at you and go, you? He used you? Oh, he's not done yet. Let me show you how the kingdom thing works. He's got his three disciples. Does anybody know who the fourth disciple is? It's Matthew. Does anybody know his occupation? He's a tax collector. Where do you think Matthew's booth is set up when Peter, James, and John bring in their big catch and sell all their fish right there on the shore? It's Matthew. And Jesus goes, I accept you, but here's what I need you to do. You have to accept him because he's the one that's been like raping you financially and you are gonna be just like him and he's gonna be just like you. You ready? Let's go. That's how this kingdom thing's gonna work. Sorry for using that word rape, but I apologize. Don't know if I needed to apologize, but that's what happened. <laughs> Hi. This will be my last night here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jesus has a way different perspective on the kingdom. He goes, I accept this guy that everybody despises, and I accept you who everybody thinks isn't qualified, and that's how I'm going to start building the kingdom. I could see these disciples going, who else are you going to choose? He's like, prostitute. Hey, Mary, you're in.
Can you hear now? Miracle over here, right here, right here. Miracle. What happened? Jesus does what he knows the Father wants him to do. Let me tell you something. He was seasoning those guys with fire because their Jewish flesh was freaking out. You're accepting tax collectors? And then he goes and gets another tax collector, Zacchaeus. Wee little man, got in the tree as fast as he could. Remember that little song or whatever it was? He's coming up with all of his followers, you know, that are so-called following Jesus. They're like, I'm on Twitter. I'm one of his followers. I follow Jesus. And Jesus sees another tax collector. Maybe the disciples are like, great, here we go, here we go. Hey, Zacchaeus, I choose you. Maybe everybody in the line behind him, the followers of Jesus, are like totally like condemning this guy because he's a tax collector. He collects from his own people to pay the Roman government and keeps the cream off the top. And what happens? Jesus honors this guy in front of everybody. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Did you ever wonder why he's up in the tree? The scripture says he's trying to see Jesus. Do you know what I think happens? When you read the historical um, account of like the way tax collectors were, they had two Roman soldiers assigned to them. He was hiding because there was a bunch of his own people coming up the hill. <laughs> okay? And he was like, I'm just here to see Jesus. No problem. Don't worry about it. It's like a dove in there. Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> Little squirrel. And Jesus in front of everybody honors somebody that's dishonorable. Do you know he didn't ask him to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior because Jesus hadn't died yet. You know, before I accept you, you have to accept the fact that I'm going to die someday, but I haven't done it yet. And by the way, Romans 3.23 hasn't been written for the next 80 years. So you gotta fill out the membership card on that one. What did you just say? No, he honors the guy in front of everybody. And this is the seasoning of fire because you got a Jewish audience watching Jesus, this rabbi, telling people, I accept you when they're absolutely wrong in everything they do. And here's what happens. When he seizes, he seasons everybody with this fire that, see Luke three sixteen, John the Baptist says, I come to baptize you with water, but the one that's coming, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. And when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. That fire that gets on you will burn out all the tradition and the religion in you. And that's what was happening when Jesus called out to Zacchaeus and said, come down from that tree today. I'm gonna have dinner in your household. See, in a Western culture, we'd say, he just imposed himself to have dinner at his expense. No, in their culture, he was honoring somebody in front of all these people. I'm sure there was one guy that was in the crowd of Jesus going, excuse me, Jesus. I have faithfully given a fish as a faithful partner every month. <laughs> like, I have a house with a kitchen too. And Jesus is like, I want that guy. Because maybe he was thinking to himself as he's coming up, all these people that are seeing Zacchaeus in the tree, these so-called followers of mine, hate him. But I love him. I'm gonna teach everybody behind me, in front of me, and on every side of me. 
that my father's in charge. And he says, he can be set free. I love him. And down he comes, and you know what he says? He says, half of all I have, I give it to the poor. You know what Jesus says? Well, that's good, but you still have to go through a couple hoops before you become saved. That's not what the scripture says. Scripture says, salvation has come to your household. Why? Because his heart changed. Jesus threw the salt out, and it seasoned his heart, and it is a aroma to God when Jesus throws the salt to people's lives and they respond, it's an aroma and a savor to his soul. That's what God's looking for. And in these meetings like this tonight, some of you may feel like this is alive. Some of you think this is just funny. Some of you may think uh, this is dead. You know, Why aren't we doing this and why aren't we doing that? Well, um, it, it's a matter of getting into the flow of what Jesus is saying and doing right this very moment and following that instead of trying to put something out. Every meeting's different. How many have enjoyed every meeting you've had in this week where you've noticed it's been completely different each night? How many, let me, wave your hands if that's you. Let me ask you a quick question, by the way. How many have never heard of me before in your life? Let me see your hands. Well, I've never heard of you either. So we're getting to know each other tonight. That's good, okay? So here's the deal. Um, every night's different because God moves according to what you're open to letting him move in. Everybody's a different place with God. There's people online right now, you're watching this and you're kind of going like this and then you're clicking over on that porn site. Oh, that wasn't very nice, Roy. Well, I want that out of your life. Get off the porn site. See, the enemy has somehow convinced man to do everything by the flesh when you were never created to do things by the flesh but by the spirit. You know, you are spirit, soul, and body, okay? Your spirit was created only to relate to God. You're a triune being just like God is a triune being. He's father, son, and spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit was only created to relate to God. It cannot at any time ever and never will relate to the flesh. It doesn't even understand the flesh. The flesh is like, I can't do it. It might not happen. I'm not sure. Your spirit's like, it's done. What the heck? I'm serious. I'm not being arrogant. Your spirit is going, it's done. What is wrong with you? Your flesh is like, I know, but maybe if I just worship harder and if I just do this and I do that, it's done in the spirit. Like fasting is more about you than it is God. The disciples came back to Jesus. We tried to cast the devils out and it didn't work. He goes, well, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. So everybody's like, okay, prayer and fasting is the secret. I'm gonna start praying and fasting and I'm gonna start casting out demons. You're missing the point of what Jesus is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. You are so full of unbelief that your flesh is broadcasting a signal that's louder than your spirit. There's two broadcasts going off all the time, every day. Your flesh broadcasts 
and your spirit broadcasts. Your spirit broadcasts a still small voice that's constantly consistent, never wavers, is always peaceful, is always for your benefit, always for your will, loves you like a father, always wants to train and direct and guide you. Your flesh goes, I can't handle it. I don't know what to do. I guess I'll pray. Maybe I won't. I'm not really sure. I don't know. I'm a psycho. <laughs> Come on. Let's be honest. Oh, not me, Roy. I'm together. I know you're so together that you never get anything done for the kingdom. I'm going to have a talk with Pastor Caleb about this guest. I did not appreciate what he said. But it's for your benefit. So you got these two broadcasts. It's like you're between two trees. You're between the flesh, which represents the knowledge of good and evil. So your flesh has a memory. The day you got saved, if you were dumb before you got saved, you don't get smart the next day. You have to renew your mind. I don't know what happened. It didn't work. I went down, received Jesus. I don't know what happened. Uh, well, <laughs> you have to renew your mind. I know some of you are going, what's the point? <laughs> Just like the times of Jesus, he'd say something and you have half the crowd getting it, the other half's getting mad. <laughs> At the same time, by one thing he's saying that's never changed. Isn't that just like the sun? You got a piece of wax and you got a piece of soft clay. One's getting hardened the whole time that the preaching's going on. The other one's melting like wax. Oh, let it go into me, Lord. Whatever you have to take out of me, whatever you have to put inside of me, do it. I'm open, whatever you want. That's the seasoning of fire in your life. It's remaining open. You know, you're gonna get into atmospheres and you are in atmospheres. You don't necessarily agree with the guy that's talking, but you can always eat the meat and throw away the bones. Some people don't eat the meat. I don't eat meat. <laughs> God. In all seriousness, <laughs> I don't eat cows because it destroys the environment. What are you doing to help the environment? I'm eating the cow. I'm helping. <laughs> I'm helping the environment. And after I eat the cow, I'm winning people to Jesus. And then they start eating all kinds of cows. And then we have a big gathering get together and we eat every cow we can bring in the place. And then we start shooting religious cows. The joy of the Lord will be your strength, not the depression. 
I mean, the way some people actually look in meetings. What did they baptize you in? We're supposed to be set apart and set the bar where we, come with us, we know Jesus. And we're like, come with us, we know Jesus. You love him, he's awesome. I mean, we go, how can we lead anybody to Christ? Hi, do you, did you know God has a plan for your life? Excuse me, do you know if God has a plan for my life? Would, would you please pray for me? Oh, you're not even a Christian? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, I hope it works out. I'm, believe me, what I have, you want it. It's just, it really, you know, on Sundays, it's awesome. Why don't you all lay back in your chair for a minute? Some of you look so stiff. Serious. I love, how many love Pastor Rodney Howard Brown? I could look at him all day. I was always like, are you looking through my soul? Everybody say, the fire of God. Burn out every trace of religion inside of me. Now lean back in your chair, put your hand on your belly for a minute. Close your eyes and know you don't know what I'm gonna do. Here's what the Bible says. It actually says that, but it's everybody that got touched. It's in quotations. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means you have control over the flow. How about this way? If you have two broadcasts going on, your flesh is broadcasting that it's doubtful, it's probably not gonna work out, you've got all this stuff going in your life that's not right, and then you have this other broadcast that's in your spirit that says it's all gonna work out because Christ in you can work it out, then you have control of the volume. And right now with your hands on your bellies, close your eyes, lean back and chill out first of all. You're in a revival meeting, not the morgue, okay? So put your hands on your bellies. Here's what the Bible says, all right? It says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. How many of you are speaking tongues in your heavenly language? Let me see your hands. You have control over the flow of the spirit. It's subject to you. Well, I'm just waiting for God to do something. He's waiting for you for like, well, since he created you. 
Hairballs will come out tonight. It's okay. Like before the foundation of the world, he already knew what he was gonna do in you. So it's done. Everybody say it's done. All right, now do what I say. Close your eyes. Stop staring at me. I'll just stare at you. I'll point you out and I'll have them zoom in. Now, if you have a heavenly language, I want you to turn on that volume and speak in tongues. Go. All right, stop. Okay, well, you did that, not me. I just said stop. You chose to stop. Now, put your hand on your belly. Close your eyes. Say this after me. Ha ha. Sounds like the sloth in Zootopia. Ah! 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 It's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, I'm back. <laughs> I never left you. I'll never forsake you. See, you control the flow. This is the biggest destroying teaching in the church is that you have to wait for God to do something extraordinary where he's actually saying, the only thing that pleases me is that you actually believe that I've already done it. So you step into what's already done. See, the problem is the flesh says, yeah, but you know, I live in the real world. No, you, you don't live in the real world. You live in a fallen world. And if you listen to your fallen mindset, it's gonna tell you that you are absolutely, this is it for life. This is all you have to work with but you're limited by your five senses. Your five senses have been governed and ruled by this world which has been fallen. And even in church, religion can get on you. And I'm gonna say this, and I mean this for every good work for the Lord to do in this place with, with all that's been done. You can get stale even in this church continuing forward in the things that you think you should be doing when really what you need is, God, I want a fresh touch from heaven tonight. Whatever you have for me, I'm open. And it starts with joy. We need happy Christians, not people walking around with masks. 
If I hear Rundai Shundai Corona, I'm slapping you. The spirit of slap will come on me. Oh, Corona. What? Saw a picture of a meme. It had a Corona beer in the corner of the fridge and all the other drinks were in the side with a mask on it. Said, meanwhile, in my fridge. <laughs> Everybody say seasoned, seasoned. With, fire. with fire. Oh. You gotta catch it more than you try to teach it. If you catch it, you can teach it. You have to catch it first. I'm gonna open up to 1 Peter for a moment. 1 Peter 4.12, in Psalms it says that you shall laugh at his destruction, the enemy's destruction in your life. God is trying to kill that soul inside of you and give you the right life that he always had for you. He's doing that with every believer. What was done to you was wrong. When somebody violated you when you were younger, it was wrong. But see, the enemy, what he does is he grabs you at a young age, he makes your heart go through something, and it keeps the callousness on it. And for some people, if not a lot, even after they come to Christ, they go and revisit the movie and play it back over their mind. That's the flesh trying to get you to get out of the spirit. See, that's why this phone is becoming a distraction for most people. See, the now, you're gonna think I'm railing on some stuff. I am railing on some stuff, because it's actually come home now to affect my children in some ways. Do you realize that the whole reason of video games is to get your anxiety level up? They know, and who are they? Hmm, wouldn't you like to know? They purposely make games with no ending. See, Satan lives in a world with, he knows there's an ending, but it's like torture to him because he doesn't have like an ending. Like he has an ending, he's gonna be thrown in the lake of fire, but he has no significance to his life anymore. He's been sentenced, he's been judged. That's John chapter 16, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin because they don't believe in me. He'll convict the world of righteousness because I go to my Father. And then the last one is, he'll convict the world of judgment because the God, wait a minute, did Jesus just call Satan a little God? Oh, he did. Jesus said that the God of this world has been judged. So he's walking around with anxiety, condemnation, guilt, shame, pain, frustration, never seeing anything come to his power and fruition. And when he gets somebody to come and influence, when he influences somebody and they come in agreement, that's like his only doorway into this natural world that was created for us. So the anxiety, the anxiety that happens in kids that play those games is on purpose to make them frustrated. And then they turn to vaping. And then they go to essential oils to inhale that. And when they're done with that, they'll get some WD-40. Hey, whatever's available. Well, at least your esophagus will be well lubricated and your lungs will work perfectly till they shut down. So the anxiety is on purpose to cause people to go more to the mind and to the flesh than by the spirit. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And this is the problem in Adam and Eve's garden, is they were living a life in the flesh, but they were living a life in the spirit while in the flesh. They had the best of both worlds. It was uncorrupted. However, Satan was waiting. I got to thinking about this too. Isn't it interesting to you that in paradise where, where Adam, well, not paradise, but in Eden, which was like a paradise, Adam and Eve were walking around enjoying the presence of God. Do you know, I don't believe they actually saw God in the flesh because Jesus hadn't come yet. How, do, how many of you walked with the Lord today? Did you see him in the flesh? No, because you know him by the Spirit. Why would God have to say to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone? He's not alone, God, you're there. God was saying it's not good for man to be alone in the flesh. He's gonna look around for a partner. He's gonna need somebody. So he brought Eve out. You know the only reason Satan showed up when he did was only when Eve came into existence. You know why? Because male and female is the full expression of God on the earth. And God hates, I'm sorry, God doesn't hate, Satan hates unity. That's when Satan attacked, is when Eve came. Not because she's just the weakest vessel and all that stuff, and here it goes, all the liberal, settle down, settle down. No women get upset with me. Spirit of Megyn Kelly, I tell you to sit down. In Jesus' name, Megyn Kelly, sit down, amen. <laughs> he showed up because of unity. And when that happened, he found a way in to break the unity between the two little gods on the earth because Psalm says, ye are little gods. When they came to Jesus and they said, why do you make yourself out to be equal with God? Jesus quotes the scripture to the Sadducees, Pharisees, and Rodney's favorite, wouldn't seize and couldn't seize. <laughs> and he says, do you not read the scriptures? For it says, ye are little gods. Jesus is actually trying to come and show us who we are and who our father is and how we've been lied to and deceived our entire lives. And guys, it has not changed. The message has not changed. Jesus died on the cross to not just set us free from sin, but to reveal who we truly are. We are the sons and the daughters of God that are meant to rule and reign as kings and priests on this earth right now, which means you can walk into an AT&T and you run the place. And I'm not talking about for personal gain to get a deal and do, you should give more to them, not try to get the Christian deal. Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm always like, yeah, I'm good. I'm gonna work with this atheist over here. I'll probably make more money, so God bless you. That's how it's become. So Satan came in. He, so God told Adam to do something. He said, tend the garden. Adam had to shave his beard. Adam had to clip his toenails and his fingernails. Because he was part flesh and part spirit and he was soul, which means he's in the middle. He's the manager between the soul and the spirit. He is the manager, listen again, between the soul and the spirit. You, because of what Christ did, he brought you a brand new spirit. He gave his own spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he put you still in charge as the manager over your garden. So there's a garden out here and there's a garden in here. 
and you're in it. And this thing is calling you all the time and your attention so you won't pay attention to what really matters. His spirit lives on the inside of you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives and breathes. And you know what? They chose out of all the planets in the world and out of all the addresses, they says, you know, we have one thing in mind. We want to live in the hearts of men and women. And some of you say, my dark soul, my nasty place of who I've been. Listen, you've been redeemed. The greatest thing God does with his kids is he says, listen, I know you feel like the inside of you is full of junk and, and, and manure, so to speak. But the best fruit grows when manure is applied to the soil of your heart. And Christ is the seed that comes in and grows that thing. And if you stay in revival, you stay in the word, you stay in the presence of God, you stay on your personal relationship with him, not a religious thing. Some of you in this room, even tonight, you're gonna come to Christ tonight. You're gonna come to Jesus, have a come to Jesus moment because part of you really, you're saying inside your heart, I really wanna know this Jesus, but I just don't, I'm not really sure if I truly believe it. And that's because you're half atheist. Because you live in the flesh so much, you don't live in the spirit. But God gave us this awesome privilege that we can govern and manage both soul and spirit with his guidance through the Holy Spirit to help us. And we get to enjoy this. We get to enjoy being in the garden. We're in the, we're in the Father's vineyard. We're working the garden. There's work to do. Oh, it's not works. Well, show me a guy full of faith and I'll show you a guy who has works. The works is the byproduct because the guy believes. The lady believes. You don't do works to try to get acceptance from God. He accepted you the day that you were a thought in his mind. Jeremiah 1.5 says, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. What? It says, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. In Psalms, it says, I was there when I knit my spirit and wove you together in your mother's womb. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. When your father and your mother conceived you. Now, let's be adult about this, okay? I'm sure you will, hopefully. Hopefully. You never known some people, but did you know in a teaspoon, there's anywhere between 250 million to 400 million individual sperms that are trying to become a human being? I want you to wrap that number around you for a minute. There's anywhere between 250 million and 400 million that are all trying to become a human in this world. And they are violently swimming, trying to get to that egg to make sure it's them. And somehow, it's as if you were lifted up above all of them and was carried through and says, um, this is the chosen one. <laughs> now, the journey of getting to the egg, did you know that the woman's body fights off all the sperm as if they are foreign invaders? They do not look forward to it. The body fights it off as foreign invaders. And for the longest time, the journey is about the size of the Grand Canyon. 
you want to put it on scale. And it's basically, you have to climb the whole Grand Canyon and climb in and climb out without any tools. And you got to do it quickly. That's what's going on when conception happens. And somehow, you, now, how many, how many, what's the population in America? About 385 million? So think about this. Out of a whole nation, God chose you. We haven't even got to the spiritual side of things yet. We're just in the natural. God chose you to become a human being, nobody else. Everybody look at your fingers right now. Even if you have a twin or you're a triplet or you're a sextuplet or a quadruplet or you're a whatever, <laughs> look at your fingers. Nobody has the fingerprint like you. I'm not being weird or strange, but Jesus' name is Yeshua, and the Hebrew letters actually have the entire bone structure of the hand. It's like Y, and then there's three, and then there's one, and there's one. So Yeshua, which the whole Bible's about Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole thing is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus! The whole thing's Jesus! How many have ever drawn a picture before? Let me see your hands. How many have ever built something before? You sign it when you're done. He signed it with his name on your hand. The Hebrew letters for Yeshua are the hand, the skeletal hand. It's the Y, the three. It's like Zed, Yud, and Hut, Zut, Shem, or whatever it's called. And it's this and this. I'm not even that Jewish or Hebrew. I'm a Gentile. Trust me, I'm a Gentile but I'm a redeemed Gentile. But he wrote, he signed his signature on every human being's hand. So that's why the psalmist says, a fool has said in his own heart, there is no God. He signed his name on you. How can you deny God? He's ever present ever, all the way around you. Why does every person have a longing for him? Like even before you knew Christ, you were longing for him. You just didn't know what you're longing for. So you fill it with all kinds of stuff because you don't want to answer the question. Every human being that comes in this world is built with a homing beacon. Boop, boop, boop. Why am I here? Boop, boop, boop. What's the purpose? Boop, boop, boop. What's this all about? And they don't know how to answer the question, so what do they do? They drink, they shoot drugs, they get busy in their work schedule and just keep themselves going so they don't have to think about things like that. They do everything. Hey, some people do ministry. So I have to think about all that stuff. And yet the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Be at peace. You don't have to be constantly going, trying to, you're gonna have to deal with that one day when you slow down. Hi, remember me? watched too many movies as a kid. Sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Everybody say, I was chosen before the foundation of the world. What? He chose me before he even created this place? Yes. You think Jesus was plan B? He was plan A. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 says 
the lamb who was slain at the foundation of the world. Wait a minute. You're telling me before God created this, he knew he was going to have to die on the cross for us. Yes, because if he didn't know that, that's a scary universe with a God who has a plan B. Jesus was plan A from the very beginning. Well, then why did he put the tree there if he knew we were going to go get it? Because he created you in his image and his likeness. You are the projection of God on the earth and you carry his spirit. How are you representing him? Do people look into your eyes and they say, I feel drawn to Jesus when I listen to you speak. I feel drawn to Jesus when I watch you worship. I feel drawn to Jesus when you put your arm around me. I feel drawn to Jesus because it's like as if you believe what you're talking about. You know, some people, they try to get the eye thing down where you can just look people in the eye and make them believe you and they try to get like this real thing going on and they just use that. And then there's people that have like this flame burning inside that it's almost like they're not even of this world. See, you're not of this world. You were placed in this world for one purpose and one purpose alone. John 17, three. Jesus said, this is eternal life that you would know the one true God. Didn't Jesus refer to Satan as the God who has judged the God of this world? The one true God, not the false one that set himself up and is convincing kids to be irritated. Form a religion, form a tradition. And Jesus Christ whom you sent. That is our purpose, is to reach for him. Paul says it so clearly, that we were placed, Acts chapter 17, Paul the apostle said that he has placed us in the boundaries of our dwelling places, knowing fully what time he wanted to put us in. He knew that all of us right here in this room were gonna be in this era. Maybe we wouldn't have made it in the 1700s. Maybe we wouldn't have reached for God in the 1400s. Maybe we wouldn't have reached for God back in the old ages. But you're here right now because you were chosen before you even received Christ. You were already chosen to become a human. And everybody fought to become a human because you were up against almost 400 million other individuals that proceeded from your father to try to become a human. But God said, no, clear the path. There's been one chosen. It was you. I mean, Roy, that's deep. No, it's amazing. Everybody say first in the natural, then in the spiritual. Now watch this. Remember I was telling you about the sun? I'm gonna wrap this up as I continue to close. Remember I told you that the sun is the same sun? It never changes, rises in the east, sets in the west. Interesting, Jesus rises from the dead and then every night it's like we die. We get up in the morning, it's like we rise again. And then we die and then we rise again. And the devil's like, can't these people die? Why do they keep getting up? Because God had a plan. I'm gonna fill people with my spirit and they're gonna rule this place and that authority is gonna be given back to them. And then once they've set this place up for me, I'm gonna return and we're throwing your butt into H-E double hockey sticks. Okay? So the same thing with the son. So watch this. When you're accepted... And the egg receives you, your mother's egg receives you. You go into that egg. Guess what happens? The moment you've been chosen, received into that egg, I'm gonna bring this around to Ephesians. Watch this, this is really awesome. That egg receives you and immediately it locks you in, vacuum packed, nothing gets in, nothing gets out. 
an amazing thing happens. You can look it up on YouTube. Not right now. <laughs> a membrane immediately forms around it, which is the amniotic sac, or the, you know, the fluid starts filling inside. And then this amazing duplication and multiplication happens inside of that little safe egg. And it's you being formed, and it's God where nobody can see. And he's literally forming you the same way the Holy Spirit formed the whole earth. It's amazing. You know what else is amazing? That the day you receive Christ, see, every person that's born into this world, you're born with a dead spirit. Even though your spirit is alive, it's dead because it doesn't know Christ. And if you were left to your own devices, people are like, babies are so beautiful. I have two of them. They're now adults. They are beautiful. They were. I mean, they are. But I had to discipline my two little beautiful children. I didn't like it. I hated every moment of it. Somebody says, you spanked your children? The Bible tells me to, but I didn't spank them. I tasered them. Oh, yeah. David, take the garbage out. Dad. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Dad, you need the dishes done too? I'll do that for you if you want me. You have to raise these children up because they don't know any better. The Holy Spirit is here to be our parental guidance to get us ready to spend eternity with heaven. But here's the deal. Heaven's trying to invade us right now. So when you were born with a dead spirit, you were the walking dead, no matter how cute you were and how sweet you were. If you don't have Christ, you, you don't pass go or collect $200. You have to come to know Christ. And here's why you have to know Christ. How many know that Jesus is referred to as a seed? By the way, is this helping anybody tonight? So, so let me just say something. Maybe this is not the vein you thought it might be, but I know this is the vein what God's speaking in this era right now, 2020, because people need to know the word and they need to have an encounter with the spirit of God. That's why you, we experience joy today. We experience, and you can experience that all day long. It never has to stop. But the more you get into the word, the more you spend time with God, he'll start revealing a lot of these things to you and life will start to make sense. And then you, sometimes you won't have the, the answer to any question that you have. And you have to go, all right, I just rely on God, I'm good. But here's what happens in the next step. When you come into this world with your dead spirit, you're the living, walking dead. You get what I'm saying? You're the walking dead. You're alive, but you're not, you're dead. You have to hear the gospel. Now listen to me. The gospel has to go into your gateway to your soul for you to understand. That is called a seed. Christ is the seed. Now, this is awesome. When I saw this, I like shouted out loud in my studio. When Christ first came to me, what I never understood was, and I totally get it now, is that he was a seed that was planted inside of me. Now, remember, the egg receives the sperm, and there's all this kind of multiplication. There's this seal that comes on there, and this beautiful unity that's creating you inside with God. That's part of your mother, part of your father, and then there has to come somebody else. Who is it? It's God creating you, getting you ready because he's getting you ready to hear the gospel. Listen to me. I just received that right now. He's actually forming you, getting you ready to hear the gospel of what they've done for us. That's, you want the meaning of life? That's the meaning of life. Your whole reason for being was to know that you were loved by him. 
and he loves you eternally. So he's getting you ready, but you haven't heard the gospel yet. Somebody has beautiful feet has to come and tell you the gospel. And he knew that. And so he brings it to you and it goes into your ear hole, which is the gateway to your soul, which is why all of the kids on all these games and stuff, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not, nobody think I'm being offensive towards you. And I mean this from my bottom of my heart. If you're offended, it's like, seriously, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, get over it. <laughs> but do you know the whole reason the music's being pumped in? All the media's being pumped in? to your eye holes and your ear holes to get into that place where the spirit is, here's why, it's in your soul. So that you never come to understand why you're really truly here. And they will tell you why you're here and they will tell you what to do and they will tell you where to be. But something inside of you, even if you're being put down, you're going, no, something wrong with this. I was created for something greater than where I'm at right now. I cannot accept this. And this fight starts. Welcome to the cosmic battle. A fallen flesh warring against the spirit. But when that Christ seed is planted and somebody preaches the gospel to your ear hole and it goes into your soul, guess what happens? The day that you believed and received that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died on the cross, rose again, and then sent his Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1.13 says something I find very interesting to the story I just told you about the egg. It says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, preserved for the eternal day of redemption. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. And Jesus sends his spirit to come and take his spiritual hands and grasp them like Ben Stiller with his kung fu grip and meet the Fockers. And he grabs a hold of your soul and says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you as an orphan. Who can pluck you from my kung fu grip? For my father and I are one. And ladies and gentlemen, look at me, brothers and sisters, okay? That is exactly what's going on inside of you. But why do you, why do you every day deal with your own thoughts and you deal with all this stuff in your soul? Because your soul, now this is gonna be interesting. How am I gonna tiptoe around this one? Your soul is not completely saved, it's being saved. It says in the word, and I believe it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. I I think it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, may the God of peace present your whole body, whole soul, and whole spirit holy and blameless and acceptable on the day of the judgment seat of Christ. That's what it's saying. It means your soul is continuously being sanctified and purified and God is continuously, if you'll allow him, to do a work. But when it comes to your spirit, the day you receive Christ, he vacuum packed, locked it in and Satan spends every day of your life trying to convince you that that did not happen. But you rest assured, God has a hold of your spirit. He gave you a brand new one. He didn't just give you one, he gave you his. And the Holy Ghost 
gets around you every day of your life and says, what do you wanna do? Come on, let's go. I wanna take you places you've never been before. Trust me, lean back, let it flow, let it go. Don't, don't hold on to this. Let that stuff go. Let that be burning. Don't be offended about that. Take this and let it burn inside of you. Let my fire burn out all the traditions of men, all the powerless traditions that have produced nothing in your life but let my spirit come in and I'll produce life in you. You'll be flavor. You'll be a seasoned, flavored person with fire inside of your soul. And any enemy that comes in, he'll get burned the moment he touches you. The moment he comes and brings some situation, you'll look at the storm and you'll laugh at it. You'll say, I laugh at your destruction. Peace be still. In the name of Jesus, move out of the way. I've created money to come into my pocket right now. I pray for this relationship. In Jesus' name, take those blinded hands off of that man's eyes. Let him see. I command the, the God of this world to let go of holding people back from seeing the truth. Now, where did all the energy come from? Me? I don't drink coffee. I don't drink Red Bull. I don't drink Monster. I don't drink Bang. Last time I drank Bang, I experienced Bang. I was like this. I was like, it's nothing. Boom. Oh, my gosh. Woo. I was like, no, I don't want that. I want the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. That's what's going on with me. I don't need, I don't need bang. I don't need monster. I don't need Red Bull. I don't need coffee. The Spirit of God brings me life inside. I'm not even hyper on the fact that I'm talking to an audience. I'm, I'm hyped up on the fact that God actually lives inside of me and that I can go into any environment and change the environment I'm in because of who I carry on the inside. Do you realize who you carry on the inside? If you did, you would probably do some things that your family might not agree with. Some of you are going, already have. First Peter, and I'm gonna end with this. Roy, you said that 20 minutes ago. First Peter 4.12, watch what Peter says. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Guys, we need you to be full of fire. Your generation, no matter what generation you're from, not just this generation, every generation right now needs people like you full of the fire of God that does not compromise God's word and will hold on to the altar and say, I'm not letting go. I'm gonna continue to run this race until my time is up. Now, some of the older people will go, well, that's good for you, son. You're like in your 40s. I'm like 78. And I disagree with you, sir and madam, because I had an 85-year-old in Britain come to my meeting. We had about 1,500 that night under the tent, and here was the 85-year-old. Look what the Lord has done. 85. The spirit within you will quicken your mortal body. So put your hands on your belly. Roy, we already did this. I know. Lay back in your seat. Like, relax. You're at the dentist, but he's not going to work on your teeth. But he is going to shine a light. He might hit you with a little Novocaine. 
It's the only way to get it in. Close your eyes. You at home, lean back. Hey, put the bang down. Close your eyes. Say this after me. Holy Spirit, I will go wherever you tell me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will be whatever you want me to be. Test whatever you need to test in me. I'll know I'll pass because you're with me. I declare to my inner man that I am a carrier of the presence of God. There is no more Ark of the Covenant. You have made me to be the Ark of your Covenant. I declare to my spirit man that I am drunk. Look at this guy. He thinks he's Rodney. Same Holy Ghost. But in some people's lives, if Christianity were a crime, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict most people. And you want me to have what you have? Just thank you, Lord, for more nothing. <laughs> Your flesh is like, what? There's even people at home right now going, oh, he's just trying to do that thing. Yeah, I am trying to cut through all your nonsense and get right to the spirit of what's going on here tonight. Because the Holy Ghost is so good at precisely cutting out of you what doesn't belong. It's amazing how people run to a doctor when they get cancer in their flesh. But when they get cancer in their soul, they're like, I think I can handle this. I think I got this. Roy, I got this. I, I got this. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, it smells. Please do something about that. Religion's like Brad Breath. Everybody knows you got it but you. That's what Pastor Rodney said. So everybody say it in the same vein that you're in right now. You ready? Say it just like this. The joy of the Lord, the of the Lord. is my strength.
understand, you got to get some hairballs out. Life's been tough on you. He startled me. I could hear his head. What do I do? Why did Pastor Caleb invite this guy? Close your eyes. You know, I don't say this lightly. I really don't. And I don't use you as an example like this. But I don't know who you are. But God is truly after you, trying to get you to listen you got a lot of stuff going on inside of there. God's going to heal that right now. Right now. I see like two um, scars, like a tissue around your heart. And God says, let me heal that. Give that to me. I don't know if it's a relationship issue. By the way, this is not a bad cold read or anything. <laughs> I'm not like from the psychic network and... Some prophets, they don't even know how to prophesy. They're like, there's somebody in here, you have a hip. Who is that? I feel like it's over here in this section. And I'm always like, are you kidding me right now? Somebody over there, it's a male and a female, and I feel like you're in a relationship. Who is that? I'm like, is this dude really a prophet? And then half the prophets don't even believe in breath mints or breath spray. They come over and give you a word. They're like, hallelujah. That's why I, keep, I, I carry spray with me for that reason. I spray them. I go, hang on before you give me the word. All right, go ahead and prophesy now. No, seriously, their breath stinks. Then they, sp they speak to me and I start to fall back and they think it's the power of God. It's like, <laughs> then they're capitalizing. That's it, brother, yes, fire. And I'm just like, dude, just pop a Tic Tac, it'll be over. But God's healing you tonight, buddy. You've got something inside of you that the world needs to hear. You've had dreams about it. You've seen yourself in certain places doing certain things in ministry. I don't have to run it by you. I can see it clearly. You can get with everybody else and go, he was way off. <laughs> but I'm not. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in the River Claremont, man. And I thank you for Pastors Caleb and Pastors Kirsten I am, I am truly jealous 
for the heritage that they have. But I'm so grateful that the same Holy Ghost that touched them touched me. How many are grateful for the touch of God on your life, man? Can we just thank him for a moment? Can we just say thank you for his presence? You know, never get into your mind that any meeting is supposed to go a certain way. I came here one Sunday morning, as I've been here a few times now. Um, it's one of the few churches in the area that I've actually felt life come into my wife and I being in this area. Because normally we would go to the river in Tampa, which is like for us almost a two-hour commitment just to get there because we live way out towards Orlando. And um, I came in here one of these particular Sundays, and I mean, Pastor Caleb just said, the, the Spirit's moving like this, we'll just go. And he just let the whole Sunday morning go that way. I thought, praise God. Oh, praise God, Claremont has a pastor. I know there's other pastors here. I'm not coming against them, but praise God, you got a pastor who says, I don't have to stick with this program. I want the Holy Spirit to move. Listen to me, I've been in meetings like this, okay? When we were in Lakeland in 2008, we started with 600 people. It grew exponentially. Most people came to worship and they were getting healed during the worship without anybody touching them. Some people hated the thing. Some people weren't sure about it. It didn't matter. I was in the middle of the whole thing enjoying God's presence. Somebody says, what was it like for you, Roy? I go, I'll tell you exactly what it was like for me. The first 32 days was like this. It was like the cameras came in and invaded my private space with God and got to see what's going on with me in the secret place. That's what it was like for me. And we duplicated, like the numbers grew exponentially because people are hungry for God. But they're not gonna be hungry if they don't believe you have something. Because if what you have is like everybody else, why would anybody wanna come? You should come to our church. We're an amazing group of people. You would love what we have. We have things like joy, I mean, you know, you want to come with me? I could take you on a Sunday morning. I mean, right there, the guy's going, I'm good, I'm good. But you look somebody dead in the eye and you go, hey, man, do you believe in God? Yeah, prove it. Uh, Let me pray for you. Whoa, what happened to me? Come with me Sunday and find out. I got what you need. You have what people need. And in a meeting like this, I I believe that if you line up with God, the sky is literally the limit. So tonight, here's what I want to do. And I appreciate the liberty. Um We're gonna receive a love offering for the church. And this is not a, I said this at my last meeting, but I I don't know why, maybe I need to say it differently. Um, I I don't wanna receive a love offering, Pastor Caleb, and I don't wanna receive a love offering, Pastor Kirsten, for myself. I wanna sow whatever you guys were gonna give to me back into this church, okay? I'll tell you why. A, the Lord just told me that, as I'm standing here in real time, didn't think of this before I came. B, I have come in many Sundays to this group of believers here and I have been so blessed out of my mind just sitting there doing nothing
because I'm so used to ministering to other people. And in the season of my life, I've taken a break in some ways to back up a little bit. I minister to inmates in the jail now, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I've been there for over a year and a half. I've got about 120 guys I'm discipling, literally discipling. One guy just got out, and we gave him a whole offering that night, not as a publicity stunt, because the Lord told me in real time. And he's just blown away, so he's calling me on the phone now, and I'm taking him through the scripture, and revelation's coming, and I'm watching this guy change before my very eyes, who was incarcerated, now is in real life, and he's like, he's so hungry for God. I'm like, dude, you're more hungry than some church people I've known for years. So I do want to receive a love offering tonight. And I don't know if they have it up on the board or what we're going to do with that, but um, would everybody just bow your heads tonight? I know some of you have been sowing into this ministry. You've been sowing into the meetings. You've been sowing into this church. But, you know, I'm the guest, and I'm not receiving it from me. Caleb did not ask me to do this. He's probably shocked, too. Like, what? Really? You're going to do that? Um, Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because you need to sow into what God is doing here. It's one thing to come to the meetings. It's another thing to put your money where your mouth is. Jesus said, where your heart is, your treasure's there also. Or actually, he said it reverse. Strike that, reverse it. That's like a Willy Wonka thing, isn't it? Anyway, he says, wherever your, tre- wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. Okay? And God is pouring out his spirit here in your church. People's lives have been radically changed here. I saw some of the testimonies in the last week. And tonight, I don't know if, do you guys have envelopes? You must have envelopes, right? And there's a text to give up on the screen. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want you just to ask the Lord, and I really want you to listen to the voice of God, and I'll tell you why. I'm gonna reveal something to some people that, I've got some partners and friends online, they never knew this about our ministry, but I feel okay to say this now. The only thing I've ever had in my life that has ever helped me through is hearing the voice of God. It was about 2010 and we had about $5,000 left in our operating account. And the Lord told me to go back to a city and hold another revival meeting in a place that I just did for 10 days. We had awesome meetings. To go back two weeks later, a week later and try to do it again is not easy. You gotta build momentum. People have to be on board. It's just not the easiest thing. But I heard the Lord speak to me while I was in Jacksonville, Florida. (coughs) Excuse me. I don't have coronavirus. So anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) if I put a mask on, all you're gonna hear me do all day is go, Luke. That's all you'll hear. That's all you'll hear. I can sense your frustration. That's the pathway to the dark side. Anyway. I can hear the devil going, take your word, strike me down. I will. I will. I will strike you down, Satan. Just as Jesus struck you down. I come in agreement with Jesus. But anyways, that was a random thought. They're like bunny rabbits. They multiply if I, don't, if I don't keep them in line. Like, here's a random thought. What color does a Smurf turn if you choke them? It's the way my, it's the way my head, that's why I'm trying to bring this under the spirit instead of the flesh, because my flesh will be like, how long does it take for a giraffe to throw up? So, so anyways, coming back to giving, 
I go back to Fort Walton Beach because the Lord tells me to go back there and I'm in Jacksonville. The Lord's telling me to do something and it totally does not make any sense. It doesn't compute up here. It feels like I, it's like the devil telling me to go there. I'm like, I rebuke that. And, Jesus, and it's the Lord. He says, no, go back there. So I go back. It's half the crowd, half the people. The momentum's really hard to get going because people had already been there. They already did that for 10 days. They had power of God hit the place. People saved. Uh, in fact, there was a girl that came to those meetings that now serves at Pastor Rodney's church. She was in my meeting back in 2010. Uh, her name's Bernadette Fletcher, actually. Uh, just, just name came to my mind. So anyways, and, um, and boy, God rocked her world. It was amazing. And I thought, okay, we're coming to the end of these meetings now. I'm back here a second time. Why am I here? So we start praying for finances for people and stuff like that. And my secretary calls me up and says, Roy, we only have $5,000 in our bank account. And I'm like, our operating expenses are always $11,000 a month. And I'm like, God, this is your ministry. And for the first time ever, I actually prayed for money. I've never prayed for money. I've always prayed for resources. Lord, I need a truck. Lord, I need a trailer. Lord, I need a keyboard. Lord, I need a photographer. Lord, I need a laptop. Lord, I need a website. Lord, I need a giving you know, credit card machine or I need this. I always prayed for the resources, never prayed for money. I never had any staff. But when Lakeland happened, I had eight full-time staff every week because it was crazy. It was crazy. Everybody's like, I wish I was successful and had blessings. You don't know how to handle it. You know, the worst thing people can have is success because now you don't have to trust God anymore. You've got everything you need. Now everybody tells you you're great and you think you're great yourself. Jesus said, be careful when that happens. Woe unto you when everybody speaks well of you. So anyways, I, I'm listening to the Lord, go back to Fort Walton Beach, and I do it. And at the end of one of these meetings, this lady who came in from Georgia walks up to me and says, Brother Roy, I need to interrupt you. And she's like a Southern belle. Brother Roy, I need, I'm sorry, I'm so demonstrative. She goes, Brother Roy, I need to interrupt you. You need to take this offering right now. And I said, ma'am, we will. We're gonna receive the offering at the end of the night. She goes, you understand, there's hell in my household, take it now. I was just like, okay. Usher, you know. That was the same night that somebody interrupted me to get saved. I'm in the middle of preaching, and this lady goes, I want to give my life to Jesus right now. And she interrupts the whole sermon. And part of me was like, we're going to do that at the end? But she's like, I want to get saved right now? And Jesus is like, yeah, can you stop your little three-point sermon and let's get this, this little girl into the kingdom, you know? So we lead her to Christ. That was the same night. So anyways, at the end of the night, we're packing up and we're going. I'm, I'm scratching my head because now I'm down $5,000. I'm, I'm, I don't have anything else to take care of what we're doing. And next thing you know, this lady comes out that handed me this envelope. Now, she handed me an envelope that had like $800 in it. We needed like $11,200. And I was like, thank you, but it didn't, you know, doesn't meet the needed seed kind of thing. And she goes, would you pray for me? We're believing God for a big, you know, breakthrough in our finances. So we prayed with her like she was our aunt. We didn't pray her like she was somebody coming to a meeting. My wife, myself, another pastor from Australia, we're all praying inside of there and everything. And as we pray for her, I feel the presence of God on me. Like, man, whatever breakthrough you need, it's gonna come to you. I just feel it. Not thinking about myself, thinking about her, praying for her need. And you know what happened? We go back home and I'm like, well, looks like we're shutting the ministry down because we got 5,000 and I have to do payroll and payroll's gonna wipe all that out. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, this is your ministry. You're the one that called me. You're the one that called my wife and I and our kids. They've been all over the place. Lord, this is your ministry. 
And I just said it nonchalantly. I didn't like, oh, I thank you that the money, I didn't turn into like a, whoa, 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 let's just, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know. I, I turned in, if you got offended by that, by the way, seriously. <laughs> I mean this from the bottom of my heart, get over it. The, the, thing that I, the thing that I did is I just nonchalantly said, God, we need about 50 to $100,000 would help us this next six months, that'd be awesome. That's how I pray, that's how I talk to my father. I don't go, and I thank you, Lord, that you and all your great power, you know. I don't, oh, Lord, thank you so much that you are going to show me the way. Like Michael the archangel and Gabriel's like, listen to this. Look at this prayer coming up here in Elizabethan. How impressive is that? I just talk to God because he's my dad. And I have all the reverence and respect and honor for him, but he's my dad, he's my heavenly father, he's your dad, he's your heavenly father. And he is the king of kings, he is the lord of lords. And he stands tall above anything and everything, but he's your dad. He just happens to be the creator of all heaven and earth. And I said very nonchalantly in my prayer to God, hey Lord, it'd just be really awesome, I need about 50 to 100 grand, I've never asked you for money before, but you know, I think that'd be awesome. And that was it. I didn't like going to stress about it. I literally walked away. I kid you not, three weeks later, I get a phone call from my drummer who apparently prayed with the lady as well at the end and helped her with their daughters getting stuff into their car or whatever. They brought some kind of, whatever they brought, flags or something, I guess, I don't know. And he goes, did you get the check in the mail? I said, what check? He goes, a check, she the lady you prayed for sent a check. Did you get that check yet? I go, Billy, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, she sent you a big check. And my little minuscule mind was thinking, maybe it's like a couple thousand, that'd be awesome. So I said, no, I said, I called my secretary. Hey, Shannon, did you check the mail yet? No, I haven't. I said, well, get down to the post office. Billy told me there's a big check coming in. And I said, it's probably a couple grand or something. So, you know, go get it. She goes down and she calls me on the phone. She goes, hey, Roy, I've got this little check. It's like a starter check. It doesn't even look real. Like her name's written in the top left-hand side. And I go, oh, okay. I go, how much is it? And I go, is it like, you know, a couple thousand? She goes, no. And I go, is, is it, is it 5,000? She goes, no. And then like, I don't know. I like, my voice cracked all of a sudden. I thought I'd passed puberty. I was like, Ten, 10,000? She goes, not even close. She goes, Roy, this is a check for $100,000. And so I said what any normal evangelist would say. Cash it! <laughs> it's good. They took it down to the bank, it cleared. <laughs> then I called the lady with tears and said, is this for real? She says, oh yes. See, when we were at that meeting, we weren't originally gonna go, but when I heard you were going, the Lord told me to go. When I gave that $800, I'm telling you, we had hell in our house, I had to give that money. I, you don't understand, Roy. I'm like, I'm listening, I'm all ears. 
She goes, and my husband and I were believing God for big things. And we said, if we get that breakthrough, we're going to give 10% to Run With Fire Ministries. And I had two questions. Are you hiring? (laughs) That thought crossed my mind. The second thought was, how big of a breakthrough did you really need? It meant that they had a million dollars come into their business and they tithed 10% to our ministry. I guess they didn't have a church at the time or they just, it was an offering or whatever you want to call it. They, they gave that to our ministry. And we left that day, uh, well, maybe it was a couple weeks later, went up to Albany, New York, and it broke into revival. And $75,000 came in the offerings. We, had a, we went from nothing to $175,000 in the offering. Now, why do I tell you that? Why do I tell you that? Because November of last year, we had no money in our account. You don't tell a guy who's been on television, radio, and all the stuff that we're doing in ministry, hey, you know, I got a great idea. You should go to jail. (laughs) Where there's no offerings, there's no photos, there's no crowd shots, and you're going to minister to guys and receive nothing except to see them come to Christ, and you're going to disciple them. And here's what happened to me, and this, I end with this. I really do end with this one. That was a joke. But I just offended a few Catholics, and I apologize. Please pray for me if I'm in purgatory. I said this. Now listen to this, okay? Turn to your neighbor and just do this. Go, he was an only child. Okay? Listen. Back in November, I'm in the inmate room where they have a class, and I have about 35 inmates in Osceola, and I have about 50 inmates in Orange County. Uh, I'm sorry, 30, classes of 35, so there's really like 70, or maybe it's even 100, whatever. They come in and do a class with me for an hour and a half. I'm erasing the board. I have no money in my account just about. I've never worried about money. I'm not just saying that in the front of the crowd. I've never, ever worried about money. I've always felt favored by God. And Pastor Rodney Howard Brown taught us all that you are to believe God for everything that you give, that he'll take care of all of the needs that you have. And I've never lacked, ever. Even when we get down to something, people get all frightened, and I'm like totally at peace. So I'm erasing the board. The guys are going out to be patted down. And as I'm erasing, I hear his voice. Oh, I hear his voice. Son, this wasn't on your radar, was it? I'm like, no, not even close. And I start crying because he's talking to me. I'm by myself in this room and he's talking. It's not me talking to myself. He is the one talking to me. And I know his voice. Oh my gosh, when his voice hits you, it's over. Your flesh goes, (laughs) and your spirit's like, oh my God, you're awesome. So he goes, this wasn't on your radar, was it? And I said, no. And I, I stopped with the eraser on the board, and then I heard this. Son, I'm proud of you. And I like, I couldn't move. Son, I'm proud of you. And then I heard this. You are exactly where I want you to be in this season of your life. You can hear my voice. And guys, it was still, it was soft, it was quiet, and it was peace, and it was like a river of life was inside of me as he was speaking. 
Okay, now hang on. The next month we fly to New York. I come back from New York. We're doing stuff with business up there. I come back from New York. When I come back from New York, my stepfather calls me on the phone and says, I got a buddy of mine in this 55 plus residential area that wants to give somebody a car for nothing. Do you need a car? I'm like, did Billy Graham ever have a quiet moment? Yes, I would love to have a car. It's like, it's a nice HHR limited with 100,000 miles, mint condition. Just gives it to us for a dollar because he had to put it on the thing. So God gives me a car. I go to jail, God gives me a car. The next month, a lady drops $100,000 into our ministry account. Now, here's why I didn't say this to some of our partners and friends. Because if I said that in November, you go, well, that's all taken care of. We don't have to give anymore. You're missing the whole point of the story of what I'm saying. The ability to hear what God tells you to do is the greatest asset you have of the Father that there ever could be. You could go through any storm. You could receive anything. You could have nothing and be just fine because he's speaking. And you're following his will. When Caleb called me up and says, I want you to come here, immediately in my spirit, I went, yes. That doesn't happen. I got invited to some big conferences just recently. And in my spirit, he said, no. So I didn't go. Could have been lucrative. Could have got this big photo. Could have been with these guys. Been on the West Coast. Big honorarium. All this kind of stuff. No. I'm not in this to make money. I'm not in this to do what I want to. I'm in this to see what God wants me to do with my life. God wants to see what you're going to do with your life. So that same voice that spoke to me is the same voice that wants to speak to you about what God's doing here right now in your church and for this area. Something's being birthed here in this week. I know you've been building for five years, Pastor Caleb and Pastor Kirsten, but something's being birthed in these meetings right here. He's doing a work in you. He's seasoning you, getting you ready for something that's about to blow your doors open. But he has to shake this stuff out of you first.